This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. It's Spooko. Hi there. Good to see you. Good to all that sort of stuff. We've got pretty settled views on friendship homework here at Spooko. (laughs) And friendship homework, you know what that is when you hear the term and you know what that is if you've followed the podcast for a while. It's when a friend (laughs) recommends a film, book, podcast, newspaper article, whatever it might be, and does so in the hope that they will later be able to share an experience with you about it. Now, we are really settled in our views of being an anti-friendship homework podcast. If someone assigns you something to watch or listen to, they can do that, but they're not allowed to check up on it. Did you read the book I lent you? Did you watch the film I sent you? No, that is not what a friend does. A friend can suggest something, and that's the end if you want to remain friends. Now, I have to start off with a confession that, it's ah. taken me a few decades to get to this enlightened view about friendship homework. And I used to do a lot of music criticism. And in 2010, Frank Ocean released a mixtape called Nostalgia Ultra that had that amazing song Swim Good on it. That one Nova Kane about him dating a dental nurse. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is the new shit. Odd Future Wolfgang are playing to 300 people in really small venues. I'm on to something here. And I'm going to recommend this to my brother. And I was like, Rob, <laughs> my brother you would love this mixtape by Frank Ocean. You should listen to it. And I signed him some friendship homework. And he told me he'd done it at the time. And so I thought no further of it. Until 2012, when Channel Orange came out, which was Frank Ocean's sort of first, I think, official album. And he was like, Peach, have you heard Frank Ocean? (laughs) He's really, really good. And so I had the would-be friendship homework thrown back in my face. It was disappointing and it was a stern lesson. I'm going somewhere, Shag. Okay, all right, okay. Shag's freaking out. I've had (laughs) still. He's like, what's going on? Uh, Look, look, I'm not saying that I'm the boss of the podcast, but I was checking my watch a couple of times performatively being like, like, what's going on? If we had to have a boss, like... Mm. uh, Peach has embarked on a soliloquy. We don't know what's going on. We've lost control. But Peach, Peach, you've lost control already because the guest has already, like, said hello and you haven't even introduced them yet. There I was in 2016 (laughs) um, assigning the friendship homework of a podcast called Mic Check. And I was telling everyone around, you need to be listening to this podcast. It is really sick. It's really great. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be exciting. And, you know, I got the sort of responses friendship homework gets. You like you sometimes get a warm response with the feedback <laughs> or you sometimes get silence. And now I'm having a YouTube series called Finding Yeezus thrown back in my <laughs> face as friendship homework being assigned to me when I want to stand up and say, no, no. I assigned that friendship homework to you. You don't assign it to me. Uh, and that is the path, the Frank Ocean star path. We've got wow. Ashfield's Frank Ocean here with us now. Um, Alexi Toliopoulos, uh, rightly renowned for being a wonderful and engaging comedian, film critic, podcaster, and most recently co-host, co-creator, uh, co-presenter. Uh, of <laughs> of finding Jesus, an incredible series on YouTube that we'll get a get a chance to chat about, no doubt. Alexi, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, Peach Shag, thank you for having me back. I love doing this show so much, and thank you so much for correctly calling us co-presenters of Finding Jesus. <laughs> I think it is the funniest thing that I keep pissing Cameron off by saying that we're presenters of Finding Jesus because it's something we put our whole freaking heart and soul into. <laughs> Worked nonstop for years trying to get made, and it's so funny when I just go, "Yeah, yeah, we're presenters of this thing." Like we just rocked yeah, up on the like day. Yeah, Channel V host. Yeah. It's good. I mean, look, let's <laughs> let's talk about finding Yeezys because since the last time we had you on the pod, mm. this hadn't come out yet. This is entirely new, and yeah. it's the first time, as far as I can tell, where 
you've created some content because let's be honest, everyone's just there's no mm. there's no artist anymore. There's no I love filmmaker. to call it content. You're just I love a content everything. creator. Everyone's a content <laughs> creator. I'm a presenter of content. <laughs> yes, presenter <laughs> of content. <laughs> but I think this is the first time. Like you're you're primarily, I would think, like a film expert. Mm-hmm. And is it weird because this is the first time? where you're in front of the camera the entire time. Well, I mean, I studied film. I studied filmmaking at university, at film school. So I've always wanted to, like, you know, make more visual stuff. But podcasting was, like, the the lane that I fell into for a long time. Um, And, you know, I've been a comedian for a very long time as well. So there was enough training along the way where I felt confident that I could be doing more of that stuff. I've done some TV shit over the years too, but um, every day was just like, shit, am I funny enough on camera today? Have I been funny enough? Because you start, because it also, you know, finding Jesus is so much more personal to me than like, you know, when I'm on like a panel show, like that's obviously like my comedy and I get, obviously, I'm so excited when I get to do those things. That's so cool. But this is like, you know, the kind of shit that, you have to work so hard for that you basically kill yourself to make. So you're just like, I need it to be perfect. Am I funny enough? Am I saying the right things in the right order? Am I giving enough information? Am I doing good interviews? So you get really in your head. But having watched it back, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was pretty fucking fun <laughs> on that show. <laughs> I could vouch for that. So Finding Users is a YouTube series that's currently on the Arnie Don. Well, currently, like, I mean, everything the is house. on the internet forever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's, it's on Arnie Donna's YouTube channel right now. The entire mm-hmm. series is up. I think there's something really important to say because a, a lot of people who listen to Spooko aren't from Australia and thus mm. probably aren't aware of Australian comedy and probably don't understand that Finding Yeezus is only tangentially about Kanye West. Like, there's mm. not a lot of Kanye in this. So Yeah, like nothing, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, if, <laughs> if you've been a little bit put off by Kanye going DeathCon 3 in the past little while, <laughs> I, I just do not be put off by this show. Peach. And don't be put off by Alexi making the one error I've ever seen him make, which he was courageous enough to keep in the series. <laughs> I was nearly yelling through the camera when he was like, Kanye in 2013, not sure he produced any music that year. And I was like, God, <laughs> fucking Jesus came out June 2013. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also Peach is talking about the one moment in the whole six episodes yeah. where they do actually talk about Kanye. So, yeah. so just be- before we move on to Spooko, mm-hmm. can you give us like just your... Mm. What do they call it now? Do they still call it an elevator pitch? Yeah. What well, is your, it got made. What is, he he's a presenter of it. What is <laughs> your elevator content presentation tweet of Finding Users? Well, so Cameron James and I, who's a fellow comedian, we are mystery investigators. We are documentarians. We solve bizarre mysteries out there in the world of popular culture. And our latest mystery is a video series called Finding Jesus. And in that series, we solve one of the internet's greatest mysteries, a mystery that had been left unsolved for nearly a decade. The decade, the Mystery in question is the mystery of the video game Kanye Quest. In 2013, someone anonymously uploaded a video game to the internet called Kanye Quest 3030. It's a game where you play as Kanye. It's pretty funny. It was a viral sensation. It disappeared. And then it reappeared with this hidden level being discovered that people believed was a recruitment tool for a new age cult called Ascensionism. That's all about believing in immortality through the internet. And we freaking found the creator, we solved the mystery over six episodes. They're funny. They're heartbreaking. They're heartwarming. It runs the entire gamut of human emotions. You're not joking. Like, it really does. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm surprised <laughs> you just spoiled the whole show. <laughs> you got to sell them. You got to sell them. There's catharsis at the end. We solve the freaking mystery. It's a fantastic series. Anyone who hasn't seen it must go and see it. That's your friendship homework that we yes. probably are going to check, check up on. So I'm happy to cut ties. And can you please, if you are turning into finding users from here, comment Spooko brought me here or Alexi's appearance oh. on the Spooko podcast brought me here. Good Actually, data. Yeah. That's a good data I would set. love that. Yeah, yeah. That's how we find out. <laughs> All right. So for today's mm-hmm. Spooko, we're doing a film that 
You suggested a while ago, and I was always kind of surprised because I was like, do you like this ironically? Like, what's going mm. on here? And then I did my friendship homework because I yes. kind of have to because that's the whole premise yes, of this, yes, yes. this show. And I was, I don't know what the extreme version of pleasantly surprised is, but... You got your world rocked. That's what the opposite of pleasantly surprised is. And I would tell you this, it directly relates to finding users and finding franchise. Um, the directors of this movie, Henry... Juiced? Is it Henry Juiced? It's, it's and, Henry Juiced and somebody else. Hang on. And someone Shulman. And uh, someone oh, Shulman. Ariel Shulman, yes. Ariel Shulman. They are the directors of my favorite documentary of all time that inspired me to want to become a documentary filmmaker when I was like 19 years old. Is this oh, the 18. last dance, the Chicago Bulls one? <laughs> I know. I wish I was 18 when that came out. No, they directed the movie Catfish, um, which became the MTV series Catfish as well. And that movie, like when I was 18, that movie came out, it blew my freaking mind open. And I was like, oh my God, you can make a documentary about anything. And the way they use like mixed media to feel like that pick up and go like everything's happening like in present tense and it was a documentary the first time i saw a documentary that felt like so present tense and contemporary about the internet as it was at that time like facebook relationships and making friends if over the internet i was just like it it was my dream come true i was like oh my god i want to make stuff like this where it, it, it something unravels and you had no idea there was something there and i just loved it so much and when they moved to this movie as like their narrative feature film, like joining narrative films, I was like, this is such a perfect franchise for them because it's all that mixed media shit. It's all about like making it feel real and like that found footage. And I was just like, oh my God, they made a, a proper classic. If this was a singular film and not the third film in a franchise, I think it would be an ultimate like cult classic horror film. Peach, I think you're going to be... Uh shockingly surprised by how not shit Paranormal Activity 3 is. Well, hopefully the trailer reflects all of that uh, and uh, I'll be watching it on my phone. So I imagine that's that's the way they intend it. So it's going to be exciting. Katie, Christy, say hi to the camera. Something's going on. Maybe it is. He's been doing it all day. There was something in the house. Christy's like connected. Got a real life poltergeist. She's like, Carolyn, I just gotta film this stuff. I set up my cameras around the house, right? I can maybe capture something. Yeah. Hey, Christy. I saw you talking oh. to somebody. I know. He's very sweet. He's my friend. I don't see him. Staring right next to you. Honey, he's not there. This is not simply about Kristen. This is connected to your side of the family. It definitely knows about her. Katie? I'm worried about you and the girls. Somebody say something! I felt like digging in my side. Did you hear that? It's okay. We're getting out of here. Okay. Just get in the car and drive. Lots has changed since we last had Alexi on the pod. Uh, finding Jesus uh, has happened and changed uh, lives and universes. But things have changed around here as well, Alexi, because I watched The Babadook on my wow. phone at 1.5 speed. Just what sort of the hell? Down the this is illegal. While I was doing emails. Oh, my God. Emails and on the same device or like different Yeah, on the same device. So it's oh like my a phone screen with it minimized in the corner. I'm going to th throw the fuck up right now. I'm losing my mind. Well... I, I was interested because you're you're passionate about film, and I I'm sort of thought, unplug my computer. I'm leaving this zoo. Well, I watched the film. Like I mean, I saw I sort of saw it at a very sped up, but like the audio is very chipmunky, um, so oh it was tough God. to tough to get immersed. But it seemed pretty good, and so now my horror film scale is better, worse, or equal to the wow. Babadook. And this looks pretty good. I suspect it might end up being mar only marginally worse than the Babadook is my guess wow. at this stage. You made a point before we went to the trailer, Alexi, that mm -hmm. if this was a standalone film, it would have been way more successful. Do you think, because we've covered Paranormal Activity 1, we haven't mm. covered the rest of the, se the, the series. Like people don't need to know what happens in 2 to enjoy 3, right? 
No, I don't think so. Two, the, two, also, three is a prequel. It's a prequel to Paranormal Activity. Um, it's set in the 1980s when the stars of Paranormal Activity 1 and 2 are little girls. <laughs> and um, it is pretty pretty wacky and interesting. Like I, I think it is just fantastic. I'll put it up there like probably in the top five found footage horror films ever. Like I, I really, I go to bat for this one. Peach, let me tell you this. I think it's a full star grade higher than the Babadook. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I really would. Wow. Oh, yeah. okay. That's huge. I, like, to be honest, to be honest, I kind of agree with you. And mm. okay. I usually go into that for the Babadook purely because it's Australian. I'm like, yay, yes. Australia. Oh, yeah, but, it's a bit of cultural cringe. But if I'm going to talk mm. about horror films that I actually love, it's not in there. Whereas this film. Me too. This film is so good. But I have to ask you, uh, like, a few questions beforehand, mm-hmm. though, because it is like a found footage film. Which I guess is is mainly a horror subgenre. Mm. What do you think is essential in a found footage horror film? Um, to me, the key thing is to not break that immersion, to really stick by what you're doing, and to really go all in on. And I don't think it's a gimmick. I don't want to call it a gimmick. But to really keep that illusion that it's real up, like I I love the Blair Witch Project, and I think it's like essential for this because it's one that just never breaks the illusion. It kept it alive in real life as well. Like that's amazing. Um, I think like uh, if you look at kind of like faux documentary movies, like the one that really shits me, and I get a lot of guff for this opinion. <laughs> I fucking hate District 9 because it's like, yeah, we're oh, documentary what? for like 30 minutes um, and they're like, just kidding, oh, we're an action like movie, never documentary. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it just like goes, no, just kidding, we're just not doing that anymore. There's no filmmaker, nothing like that. And I just can't stand that. It just drives me crazy. Like, it just disappears. It's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What the hell is this? Just a normal movie where they interviewed people for a bit? What's going on? It just drives me crazy to break that immersion, to really destroy that illusion. I think like successful ones in that found footage or faux documentary genre are ones that just stand by. Like there's a great Australian one called Lake Mungo, which is more a faux documentary horror film rather than found footage, but it just like it never busts it and it just stays true to it the whole way through. Well, let's talk about this as well. It's like what, like, because I think sometimes we confuse the two of like a fake mm. documentary. Like found footage, what are the key tenets of a found footage film? Found footage film, it, 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 I think there should be like, uh, it's more a story thing rather than a plot thing of like, we found this footage and <laughs> we are going presenting it to you in this way um, and it's all that we have left from this case. And I think it has to, it's like in the text of the film of going like, so this is it, we are presenting it to you in a, in a fashion. Documentary is more like... Um, we were on the hunt for this thing and, like, we have done this, where it's, uh, like, the the an artist intent to the fake footage, uh, whereas the, the found footage is the artist's intent, intent is absent in the story world of the thing and it's being presented to you as if it is uh, something that has been discovered rather than something that has been hunted or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like all in the construction of how it all hands out. In the presentation, yeah. Yeah, which mm. makes it scarier because there's a part of you that's like, I know I'm watching fiction, but mm. the film's telling me it's a real document that I'm yeah. uncovering. It really scares me. And I'm just of the right age where I started getting into horror during the found footage boom that kicks off with Paranormal Activity, the first film. Like that, I, I remember seeing that movie. I worked at a video store at the time and we got sent the preview discs where it's like, hey, here's some movies that are coming out that you might want to buy to rent to other people. 
and we had that, and it had like probably three other crap movies on there that no one's ever heard of since. And uh, there was just that tiny bit of buzz coming through. That paranormal activity was freaky as fuck. And so I'm sorry if I'm not allowed to swear on this podcast. I saw more times than I normally uh, would. Ah, uh, please just go. Uh, <laughs> uh, paranormal activity one. Me and my friend watched it, and we were having a sleepover at my house. When I was like 17 or whatever when it came out, maybe 18. And um, we had it, and it felt so real because, like, the disc was watermarked, going, like, property of Paramount every now and then, and it would got cut to black and white oh, every now God. and then. Mm. And it felt so snuffy. Like, it oh felt like gosh. we'd found this snuff film. And we were watching it in my bedroom, lying in my bed, and it looked exactly like the bedroom in the movie. And, like, oh, from no. it really just, like, scared the hell out of us. And it's all about, I think, found footage a lot of the time is all about finding the scares that freak you out in reality and that unnerve you okay. in reality. And I think paranormal activity is, like, such a perfect example of those little things that in the corner of your eye can give you a little bit of a shock and or something like that and i remember just being in the bed with my friend we had the covers over us and every time one of us would like adjust and like our legs would move to cover we'd just be like oh my god we'd both freak out so i have like such an affinity for this particular franchise and this film paranormal activity 3 i think is like the pinnacle of them all i think it's like a proper fantastic picture amazing all right so paranormal activity 3 from uh Oh god, I had the other one. Ariel Stormwind and Henry Juiced. <laughs> from from 2011. Um, mm-hmm. Final, like final point though, because I was thinking about this while I was watching mm-hmm. it. And the episode's not over yet. I was going to say, there's plenty of time, <laughs> plenty of time to make no, additional points before we actually do the thing that we're supposed yeah. to do in the show. But uh, while I was watching this, I, it did mm. make me think of the original, which was um, written, directed, produced filmed, financed by the same mm-hmm. guy, Oren Pelly, who, who I think mm-hmm. has only gone on to create one more film after this. I don't know what happened. But mm, the Chernobyl Diaries, right? Is that the film? Well, no, he wrote that, but he directed oh. a film called Area 51, which is an alien oh, yeah. found footage film in 2015 that I've never seen. Neither have I. It feels like a key element of found footage films, or at least it used to be, was the fact that you didn't have any fucking money. Like you didn't have any funding, so you were shooting on the cheap and this was an easy way to do it. It, Does it still make sense? Does it still work when there's a clear budget behind it? Well, I think in this case, there's obviously a little bit more money in Paranormal Activity 3, but it's all in aid of the creativity of it, like making stuff more interesting. Like I think these guys are such geniuses at figuring out how to shoot these things, the way they come up with some things. Like, there's a scene that we'll get to, I'm sure, where they think of a way to film footage in 1980s with a video camera that is just genius. Um, should I spoil a little bit of, like, how they do that thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Please yeah, yeah. do, because, uh, like, mm. we, we're, we're hyping up this film that we both clearly love and I want Peach to yeah. love. And this Wikipedia synopsis is three paragraphs long. <laughs> yeah. And they wouldn't have, like, this is the technique they use to get this here. But so it's set in the 1980s and the character, like, the motivation of why they're filming, so the guy is, like, a wedding videographer, the stepfather of these daughters. And um, that's why they've got a camera. That's why he wants to document things. And they're noticing, like, there's some spooky shit going on. So, he's filming. And there's always stuff going on in, like, this one room in particular. And to get footage of it, he thinks to put the camera, attach it to a pedestal fan that rotates. And so, there's, like, a scene where the camera is on this pedestal fan so you just see the entire perspective is one side of the room slowly move to the other side of the room pause for a moment slowly (laughs) rotate to the other side and just it gives you the perfect opportunity to build so much dread of when the camera is coming back to a place that has been obscured and i just think it's just such a little brilliant touch that documentary filmmaker mind brings to moving into found footage horror that like when is the jump scare coming? I think is mm. one of the things the horror of us among us are terrified about. I'm like, yeah, mm. I get it. It's a jump scare, like whatever. 
but I think confronting the you, you know <laughs> confronting mm. the jump scare is another challenge in itself. Big time. But Jag, let's get let's get into these three paragraphs. These Wikipedia <laughs> contributors, these million monkeys typing it in. The succinct. Well, no, I yeah. think one of the one of the one of the best contributions you've made to this pod because we have a shadow third member mm-hmm. of Spooko, which is the entire invisible force that write Wikipedia articles, right? <laughs> and, and you made a point. In, I think in the first episode we had you on for Society, mm-hmm. in, in that you said that it's. It, it feels like you can tell what was going through the mind of the writer mm. when you read the synopsis <laughs> and you can tell about them. You can tell whether they liked the film or not. And it feels like in this case, they're probably just, look, look I don't know what you surmise through them rushing through it. I don't necessarily think they hate it. They probably were thinking, look, we've got to document all of these. Maybe this was like one of, they were documenting the whole series. But mm. I think it is interesting that you'll, you, you, you'll go to a lesser film than this and it'll be eight paragraphs long, yeah. for example. Yeah, those films have their fans where they're just like, okay, I'm the only guy that cares about this movie. I'm going to write my diatribe on it. Here's my manifesto on, like, freaking Terrifier 1 or something. Oh, yes. We've got Terrifier 2 coming up soon as well. It's mm. Oh, my God. Okay, yes, we do have Terrifier 2 coming up. And I will say that I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And I wow. will also say that it has some brutality on it that I just really didn't appreciate. But, yeah. okay. Okay, have you have you seen it, Alexi? No, I didn't even see the first one. It doesn't appeal to me, so I don't know. I've not done it. I'm hearing some good shit about two, though. You kind of do, you do not need to see the first at all. The mm. second one is actually it's worth seeing, but it's it also goes with the the, the warning that there's it's just like it's clear, like all the things people say about how brutal it is is true. Mm. So don't don't expect to not get off easy. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so, 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 so. All right. So this film doesn't actually begin in 1988 when it's set. It begins in March 2005 when Katie delivers a box of old videotapes to her pregnant sister, Christy Ray, and her husband, Daniel, which holds footage of young Katie and Christy with their mother, Julie, and her boyfriend, Dennis. So the, t- the two girls who feature in this film, at the beginning of the film, we see them in 2005. So kind of, I guess it's like a bit of a spoiler that they're going to survive. A year later, Christy and Daniel's house is ransacked, which I think actually happens in the series. Maybe it happens in, in one or two. Yeah. And the tapes are missing. We then watch the VHS footage because that makes up the rest of the film. So it, it, it's kind of, it, it's interesting that it doesn't, like to your point, it doesn't break the immersion, but it's kind of nice that it sets up the spookiness from the beginning, not to just be like, here's some old tapes we found. It's mm. like, here's some tapes that were stolen mysteriously mm. and you're going to watch them. It's like Antrim. It's like, hey, we found, <laughs> <laughs> we found this scary movie for you. So a young Katie and Christy are living with their mother, Julie, and her boyfriend, Dennis, as their father left for unknown reasons. Dennis notices that since Christy's imaginary friend, Toby, appeared, Strange things have been happening around the house and he wants to start documenting it. I think what's really interesting about this as a found footage film is that it doesn't take a while for stra- for people to actually notice strange things are happening. Mm. Like I think early on they catch scary things on camera that is clearly a ghost or an entity and they're like, this mm. is awesome, we've got to keep filming, which to me, I'm like, it's pretty rare for a horror film and it's kind of cool to be like, they almost take that away. They're like, no, that's not going to be a reveal. Shit's only going to get scarier from here. Mm. Yeah, they really they really turn it up on this one. So the dad's fi- just filming the house. He's filming it at, at, and they don't have the fan shot yet, but they're filming in the girls' room because the girls keep talking about that she's got this imaginary friend, Toby, and they've noticed some weird shit happening around the house. Peach, are you on edge hearing about an imaginary friend? I yeah, think kids- yeah, like I'm in a, yeah. <laughs> the, the, like the whole concept of an imaginary friend, apparently like one in 10 children, like it happens. And I'm like, no, that's not, mm. it's not okay that that happens. Yeah, it's, yeah I had it, one. It's, I had multiples, oh, I think. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, but they were just characters from movies and stuff that I liked. Like, oh, my imaginary friend is Ariel, the little mermaid or something, <laughs> <Awesome>. you know? <laughs> so, so anyway. so They're, so anyway. they're real friends. They're, like, they can. <laughs> oh, I just thought that was going to be a really spooky story. <laughs> no, nothing too creepy. 
Did Ariel ever tell you to like light fires or anything? Yeah, she told me bring bring your parents down into the ocean world with me, and you can live down here forever. <laughs> All right, leave the tap on. Mm-hmm. So so there's a scene because it's the '80s, and I guess you have to kind of set up that like normal things happen to them as well. The mum and dad are in the bedroom, and the dad's like, "Should we like?" film each other having sex yeah. and she's like should we make I'm a g-. sex tape <laughs> and, and it's 1988 so this is a pretty like you know this mm. is not a normal thing that's to an ask, impossibly right? forward thinking concept <laughs> I think for just a reasonably straightforward domestic couple in 1988 but mm. also but also they start having sex on camera and because it's a found footage film and there's no cutting away you're like are we are we just gonna watch <laughs> yeah. this did you think that when you were watching this I was like, I pray we see some full <laughs> penetration in this movie. <laughs> um, so, so they're, they're filming this sex tape, but they they don't get to full penetration. I don't like they get to like heavy padding. Basically, they get mm. to like first or second base. I can't remember what the bases are. Yeah, but- probably one base one and a half. It's pretty tame. Base <laughs> <laughs> one and a half, and there's an earthquake that happens. And they notice uh, not a metaphorical uh, earthquake of lovemaking. It's a no, no. So yeah, it's so we're there's, in Los there's Angeles, an earthquake. Yeah. They they go and make sure that the girls are safe. And then afterwards, when reviewing the footage, they notice that there's an invisible figure. Now again, I'm I'm so sorry. This is Wikipedia. It's not doing yeah, it justice to how fuck? scary like, this is. But also, like, <laughs> how, like how do you notice an invisible figure? This is also like forty or fifty minutes into the film. This is an eighty-four mm. minute film, and we're still in the first paragraph. <laughs> how did they see the invisible figure? No, oh yeah, you're right. How did they see the? <laughs> well, it's not completely invisible. There, you notice some things, you know. Yeah, there's okay. there's a moment where there's like uh and and the, uh, yeah anyway anyway all right. So, I'm with you. So because of this, Dennis is advised by his friend Randy to place cameras throughout the house. Dennis and Julie, uh, including the camera where they put it on a fan that goes back and forth, Dennis and Julie hire a babysitter named Lisa to watch the kids, but she becomes desperate to leave. Uh, Again, sorry, this is Wikipedia's description. She becomes desperate to leave due to several terrifying incidents. (laughs) Amazing. <laughs> There's a sick bit where <laughs> they did, they put a camera on a pedestal fan. I love when incidents happen in movies, so I really like this part of the film. I love incidents. All right. Okay. So there's a moment where, and and we just sort of cut between the footage that he's reviewing. So there's there's the footage downstairs on the fan that rotates. There's the footage upstairs in the bedroom. There's I, I think they're the main two cameras. Mm. And we see that there's a lot of footage. It's quite a still movie as well. For 84 minutes, there's a lot of very still shots, including of the girls at night. And we see strange things, strange incidents, scary incidents <laughs> happen in the girls' bedroom. And there's one in which Christy's clearly talking to someone who's not there called Toby, and she tells Toby that they're not friends anymore. Oh, girls. So anyway, while investigating the room, the the girl's room, Dennis discovers a strange symbol in the girl's closet and finds the same symbol in a book about demonology. Again, we've talked about this before. Like there's a lot of heavy lifting in horror films done Mm. by just random books on the occult. Yeah. I love that shit. (laughs) Like horror horror does lean heavily on old media. And I guess this is a film about VHS and books. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like there's a, there's a very direct metaphor there. But I also think like, it's as if there's only one book about the occult and it has every single demon ever. Because otherwise, it's like, how the fuck would you find this out? But anyway, so... But also why? Like, I, I do feel like there's a fundamental why. Like, if it's like, hey, your house might be haunted, let's get some video cameras <laughs> and really, really get to the bottom of this. It's just, uh, to me, that's just the exact opposite of my instinct. Let's run away real, real far and get out of here. <laughs> but, but I think what's cool about this is, and it's like, I, I almost don't mind how much Wikipedia doesn't care about the first sort of 50 minutes of the film mm. because it is all build up to a fucking amazing ending. Like a, mm. like a theory I've had for a little while after doing this pod for a while is that for found footage horror films, the most important thing they have to do to be satisfying is to have an ending mm. that takes us to another, that like really 
is very distinct from everything we've seen before. Mm. They have to give us something oh, okay. in the ending. Not like, hey, that was crazy. We saw some crazy old footage. Yeah. It, like, yeah. It okay, has to really to have... build the scariest moments, like, really need to come at the end, I really think. Yeah. Yeah. And it has to fucking pay off. Like, it needs to be like, mm. I mean, even even in the Blair Witch Project, I know we don't see the Blair Witch, but the fact that we see him standing in the corner. In oh, like, so scary. Right? Like, they give us something. Like, we mm. need something. Anyway, okay. So, when Christy becomes mysteriously ill, Julie and Dennis take her to the hospital. When Katie is left home with Randy, oh, my God. Okay, so, so, so Randy is like Dennis's, like, helper this is a terrible wikipedia synopsis but basically mm-hmm. dennis has an assistant who helps him do the filming and he and together they've been reviewing all this footage anyway they don't have a babysitter because the babysitter's left in fact they've plotted this really well like it all makes sense mm. of why all these why all these pieces yep. come into place all the incidents along the way make sense <laughs> <laughs> one incident leads to another incident yeah, and it yeah. gives motivation for the next incident order. to come up everything is beautiful so Wikipedia says they are attacked by a black figure. But what happens is it's like Katie suggests to Randy that they play Bloody Mary with a camera. So they go into the bathroom of like an ensuite bathroom. So it's a really small bathroom. They close the door. They play Bloody Mary. And yeah. they build the tension really well in this scene. Can you, like, in fact, because Wikipedia is fucked. I don't know if you remember this scene well, but can you describe this scene a little bit? Well, it's like they're two of the little girls, like, looking into the mirror, and the camera is behind them. So it's almost a little bit infinite where you can, like, see the camera in the mirror as well. And is it, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a minute since I've seen it. Is this night vision or not night vision? No, no. No, it's no not night vision. vision it's one. just during the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it just feels very verite, real. Like it just, it's not an angle you would set up unless your little girl's putting the camera in front of the, in front of the mirror. Mm. So they play, they play Bloody Mary and then the lights go out. And then they come on and he's been scratched. Like Randy's been scratched Mm. by an unseen force. Oh, sick. But there's this awesome moment where like Katie is really scared. And it's that thing that happens when you're the adult, when you're the parent, when you're the older sibling, when you're the whatever, and you have to pretend to be brave. Mm. And so basically Randy is the guy being like, it's okay, we'll just... We'll just calmly get out of this bathroom. It's okay. But he's secretly, because he's filming the whole thing, he's being like, fuck, fuck, okay, fuck, we got to get fucking yeah. out of here. But to her, he's being like, it's okay, it's okay. Anyway, so mm. all this shit happens. They, they escape, but this this thing is like violently flinging furniture across the room. And as, I, as it says here, as I said already, it scratches Randy on his torso. Randy's basically like, fuck this. I don't want anything to do with this filming anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I thought it was cool that we'd be capturing a ghost, but now it's become too real. Julie and Dennis return home, and he informs her that the symbol, after doing some more research in the one fucking book that every single horror Amazing. movie has, yeah, the demon book. belonged to a witch's coven that brainwashed girls of childbearing age into having sons, then forced them to give up their sons and forget everything afterward. But Julie dismisses his claim. What I think is so fucking cool about this is at this point, he's talked about this coven that brainwashes girls that don't remember everything. The film begins with Christy and Katie 20 years later as adults and not remembering what was on these tapes, mm-hmm. which I think is fucking cool. Like, and at this yeah. point, I think at this point I was like, oh, fuck, maybe this film's actually going to be like so much better because the whole time I'm like, it's found footage. It's kind of cool. Mm. The demon harms Katie until Christy agrees to do what it asks. And there's, there's this, re- like, basically there's another scene where it's the footage in the bedroom, they're sleeping. It, it effectively wakes Katie up. Christy's like, just ignore it. But it pulls Katie out of bed, sort of flings her around the room, but it's just an invisible force. And I guess to, to Alexi's point before, like, this is where the money's spent. Because it looks, mm. it just looks like shitty found footage. But there's this little girl being flung around, which you couldn't do on a small budget. I don't even know how they did it. It's, it actually mm. looks so real and so fucking scary. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unreal, this kind of shit they pull off in this one. <laughs> so she asks her mother to take them to her grandmother Lois's house in Moorpark, California. And initially, Julie's like, no, 
we're this is dumb we're gonna stay here we're gonna get back to normal you're just being scared like because julie refuses to watch any of the footage so julie mm. still thinks that nothing's happening the dads just spooked their daughters into thinking they're ghosts and now they've seen ghosts and then okay then the mom witnesses the first scary thing that she sees and it's all captured on the rotating camera. Uh, I'm going to try and do this justice, okay? Mm-hmm. So the, the camera, I guess, regularly just sort of pans to the left, then stops. And when it gets to the left, it's looking at the front door, pans mm-hmm. to the right, and it's looking at the kitchen. And across that entire panorama, you're covering kind of the whole house. So you're going from the kitchen to the living room to the front door. So... We start with the mum in the kitchen and she's just sitting at the table and there's, you know, there's stuff on the table, there's stuff on the kitchen bench, all that sort of stuff. And she hears the doorbell ring. So, or maybe it's a door knock. I can't remember. It's one of the two. There's an indication that there's someone at the door. The camera pans and we follow her going to the door to check the door. And there's no one there. And she's like, like, I guess she hasn't seen any of the footage, but it's annoying that at this point she's like, oh, that's weird. When it's like someone like knocking on your door or ringing your doorbell and not being there is always strange. There's never a time when that's not strange, Mm. but it's especially fucking strange if there's ghosts in your house. Yeah. If you've already experienced haunting incidents, (laughs) you're like, well, put another freaking strike in the tally because this (laughs) is probably part of that. It's not just a malfunctioning doorknob or a freaking bell going off. It's something weird. So anyway, so anyway, so the camera then pans back to the kitchen overtaking Julie and we see the kitchen now has nothing in it. There's, there's not only is there nothing on the, on the benches or on the kitchen table. There's no kitchen table. There's no chairs. The kitchen mm-hmm. is completely bare. And there's no cuts. It's just moving away out of sight, coming back. It's completely different. It's, it's mind-blowing, right? So it comes back and then Julie comes into the room. And I, it is that thing where you're like, it's, it's scary, but it's also, it's not, at this point, it's not horrifying yet. You're just a bit like, mm. where the fuck's everything gone? But it's not the moment where you're like, your heart escapes out of your mouth until, oh my God, until. Ugh. And like, I think that the genius of this film is that they're not telegraphed jump scares. They wait an extra mm. beat before you think something's going to happen and then something happens. So she's just standing in her bare kitchen being like, this is fucking weird. Where's everything gone? Has someone played a prank on me? Did I just like, has someone like somehow just pulled everything out of the room and then everything just falls from the roof. Like everything, table, chairs, <laughs> everything just falls onto the ground of the kitchen and makes an almighty cacophony. Yeah. And it's horrifying. Alexi, tell me, like when you saw, like did this scare you when you saw it the first time? Yeah. It's one of those things <laughs> that's like, it's, I think because it never breaks that immersion, your brain accepts it as real. And because there's not one cut in between those two things, you even question like, how do they even pull that off? And you don't, uh, to me, the shock isn't like it coming crashing to the ground. It's like how, like you don't even think that the stuff's in the roof. You're like, oh, it's everything's disappeared. Like it's just disappeared or something. So that it's just being all suspended to crash. And part of like these demons in these movies, their whole thing is they want to f- scare you. They want to scare the people in the house. That's their whole motivation is to bring fear and torment to them. So it just feels so... It feels despicable, you know, this moment. I think that's why it's quite so scary. Like, it's just only made to scare you and it just works. Is that like the veneer of the sort of amateur footage doing its work? Like, if we mm. see that in a Marvel film, we go, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. They were on You're the like, ground. Whatever. They went Nothing's the ceiling, real in this then shit. Then they came down. Yeah, okay. Now, yeah, nice. look, a craftsman should never blame their tools, but. I am doing what I can with this Wikipedia synopsis. Yeah. But You're doing a beautiful you can, job, Shag. I love yeah. it. Thank you. I'm Thank spellbound. You. I'm spellbound right now. <laughs> Transported. If, if, you can, if you can remember, because, because I like, you know, we talk about how dumb ghosts are a little bit. And, and yeah. most of the time it is kind of dumb that they just want to scare you. But in this film, 
I think you'll find there's a very particular reason that that scaring happens, which is what makes this, for me, so mind-bogglingly clever. So if you remember at the start of this final paragraph of this synopsis, <laughs> the demon was hurting Katie until Christy agreed to do what do it what asked. It we did not know yeah. what that was, right? Yeah. But How does it articulate it? Well, no, she just goes, all right, I'll do it. She yeah. just basically says, okay, Toby, uh, I'll do it. You hear one side of the conversation, which is so scary. Uh, just this little girl, like, in her sweet little voice, okay, I'll do it. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, yikes, 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 yikes. That is actually a really good point because it would be way less scary if it was like, mm. so Christy, <laughs> you do this? <laughs> so that happened. And also, all of this scary shit was happening and so the kids have been asking if they can go to their grandma's because they're like, it's too scary at this house. But the mom's like, I don't want to go. But after the mom experiences this, and it's actually really clever because the editing in this film is like everything about this this film is just a cut above. The editing is so good because this mm. moment happens, right? The mom has been steadfast about we're not going to grandma's. Mm. As soon as this moment happens, it cuts to them in the car being like, we're off to grandma's. <laughs> like it, it's almost kind of funny. Yeah. It's a, it's a brief moment of levity in this film. Mm. And it's also that great thing that they do in horror films where you get into the final act and you feel like they've escaped. Because the house was haunted, right? Ugh. They've escaped the haunted house. And you're like, okay, well, at least now, um, you know, if, we, if it's a video game, we've made our way into the safe room where, like, you know, if it's Resident Evil 2, Mr. X can't follow us. That is a deep cut reference. But, mm-hmm. I, like, I, loved, I, I love you if you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> so, 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 when... But Mr. X would know you'd gone into that room and so would be waiting for you to leave. He, yeah, he does, but he's also, like... It's video games aren't that smart. <laughs> yeah. I also don't play video games, so that'd be good as well. I'm like, oh cool, sounds awesome. <laughs> so 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 they go to they go to grandma's house. They're feeling pretty safe. And it's that thing where we get a repeat of the footage from the start of a found footage film. So it's just oh. lots of like what are you guys doing? Oh, you're playing with grandma's jewelry. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, you know, dad. Mm. Like it's just it's fun footage, which you don't even realize when you're watching is basically an indicator that everything's about to fall apart and you're yeah. about to get the worst part of the film. So they go to the grandma's house. They have all this footage and then they all go to sleep. And then at 1 a.m. in Moore Park, Julie and Dennis are awoken by loud disturbances and Julie goes to investigate but doesn't return. He doesn't know what's... And he set up a... Ca- like, again, he set up a camera in this room and when he gets up to investigate and there's a moment where he goes to grab the camera and there are so many moments like this in the film that aren't in this Wikipedia synopsis. But when he goes to grab the camera, you see this like hooded figure by the door <clears throat> and then he blocks the camera by picking it up and then he picks up the camera and the hooded figure's gone. Anyway, he goes to investigate. He goes downstairs and he noticed that a lot of the paintings in the house have been taken off the wall mm. and behind the paintings are the same occult images that he found in the girl's bedroom Mm -hmm. that are from the witch's coven. So he keeps going along and he's looking for, and he can't find the girl. So he's gone into the girl's bedroom. He can't find them. So he's shouting out to them. He can't find Julie. He doesn't know what's going on. He can't find anyone. He goes to the sort of back room, almost like the guest room. Mm. And he opens the door and there's about maybe six or seven old women dressed in robes with Mm. blank faces walking towards him. Oh, God. It's overwhelming. Because I had no idea where this was going. And I think this is the film, it's interesting because it's a prequel, where you kind of get the revelations of what is even going on in the Paranormal Activity franchise. Because they're such like... Uh, they're so strictly true to their form of being found footage. It's hard to kind of reveal answers, but I think because this one is like more immersive, there's a film maker in them. Like there's a guy who's in control of the camera in some kind of way. Whereas the others are like, all, Oh, we just put up like 10 cameras in this room or whatever that have preceded this. Is the first time where there's like a little bit more investigation that is captured going on. Mm. And so I think this revel, this reveal that there's all these witches in there. 
Oh man, it, it really yucked me out. Like it, it's and you yuck. don't expect to see them mm. in a found footage on someone's video yeah. camera. You don't expect to see seven or eight witches walking yep. towards you and like walk like and it, it, it's like the 20s when you're watching a fucking train yeah. come into the screen and you think totally. it's gonna hit you you're watching witches walk towards you as the cameraman who's filming that is that have the we stepped, stepped out as a cinema audience yeah the stepped out he's taken the camera to go yeah. down to it like yeah, it's okay. like he, he films like that's probably mm. it's not the best part of the film is that he's still filming this moment which kind of probably doesn't make as much sense but they yeah. you know they establish him as like a documenter of some kind like that he is doing all this for a reason and um yeah it just really really works because I think as well because everything up until this point has been like an invisible force and now you're putting some humans in yeah. control of some kind of this invisible force. Um, it's really freaky and you have some kind of anticipation that perhaps it's a haunted house and so once you leave the mm. house, it will be okay. And gra- what's safer than grandmother's house? Well, it turns out grandmother's house is way worse than just being in some shitty home. It's like maybe you've been forced to go to grandmother's house by this external force. Or uh... So he flees back into the house with the women in pursuit. He finds Julie... Still filming. Sorry, he's still like, oof, this is pretty intense. He's still... <laughs> yeah. He finds Julie sort of levitating at the top of the stairs before her limp body is flung at him, knocking him over, knocking the camera over. He finds Christy at this point. He hasn't found Katie, but he finds Christy, hides her in a closet before walking into the kitchen. He tries to go outside, but he notices there's more women yep. outside dancing around a bonfire. Oh it's like that was the coolest moment. Yeah. I was just like, like it's it's just it's so unexpected. Like I think that's the point. It is mm. the last thing I expected yeah. from the third film in the Paranormal Activity series. Mm-hmm. Like it's so fucking cool. Anyway, so he goes back into the house because he's like, well, I can't go outside. Uh, and I've got to find Katie, and I've got to protect Christy. Mm. He 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 goes into the the sort of the he's knocked over on the ground. The gra- and, and, oh no, this is this is what happened. So he finds Katie right, and he finds Katie mm-hmm. carrying over his mum's body. He finds oh, Katie God. carrying over his mum's body, and he thinks he's like, "Fuck, right, okay, I've got Christy hidden. I've got Katie. I'll just grab Katie and we'll go." Goes over to Katie. And then Katie like turns around with like a demon face and like snarls mm. at him, pushes him back, knocks the camera on the ground. So the camera's now capturing this sort of odd angle of him lying on the ground. <sighs> at this point, the grandma appears, now clearly a witch, holds Katie's hand. The dad's body just basically bends backwards, yeah. like in his back and neck breaks, like just by itself. And then he lies limp on the ground. The grandma sort of doesn't do anything. Katie's like, come on, Christy, let's go see Toby. Christy then comes out of the cupboard, goes with grandma and Katie up the stairs. And that's the end of the film. Yeah. <sighs> God, why would someone even want to find such footage? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it just feels, I mean, it, it's... <sighs> I mean, these films are designed to deliver, a, to elicit a specific response, right? Like, I'm meant to feel bad. Like, mm. I really, I really, really do. That's just <laughs> like, that's, that's sort of very, it's very hereditary to me, this end. Mm. Um, even It's even pre-hereditary putting, as well. This comes that's up right. more hereditary. It was, it was three years earlier, wasn't it? Um, I, I, yeah, it feels very consistent with the, it's, I guess it's not quite a rug pull in the sense of a twist, but that sort of violent escalation of stakes of like, oh, you thought this was a haunted house movie where basically we're just looking at things go bump in the night. Mm. Fucking P.S. Be afraid of your grandma. And <laughs> we're going to break the shit out of dad as well. Um, it feels like not merely um, good use of people who understand you know, who learned from Catfish and I imagine other works as well, you you know, how do you create a narrative out of found footage, mm. but also a reasonably tight 
bit of plotting and a reasonably strong bit of universe building. I imagine they squeezed yeah. a few more sequels out of this thing having thrown some witches in. I, I'm, yeah, I'm there's like impressed. five or something after this. <laughs> I think there's quite <laughs> a few. There's one that came yeah. out this year that I haven't seen yet. Mm. So Next of Kin? Yeah, Next of Kin. I've not seen it. But I think it's like set in an Amish community and I'm like, oh, God, how have I not put, how have I not put this on yet? It's like right up my alley. That's so weird. <laughs> to just add to just how tightly plotted this film is mm. we hinted at it before but what i think so clever about this is that the point of toby as a ghost was like a long game played by the girl's grandma from a long time ago where toby was basically to start to appear to the girls as they were coming close to the age where they could be like brainwashed mm. and then you know slowly build to a point where it would be scary enough to force them to leave the house and stay with their grandma God. I think that is so clever. And then, I don't know if this gets explained yet in this film or in later films, but the supreme cleverness that Toby, the reason why, like, do you know why the character's called Toby? I can't remember. So, so Toby is short for Tobit, as in the book of Tobit, in which one of the main demons of hell, Asmodeus, is from. So the uh... theory is that Toby is actually Asmodeus one of the main demons, which, as we always say, it's like if you're looking for a really good, spooky Christian mm. mythology bad guy, go to like one go of those demons of or and, pick one of, and pick one of the demons that doesn't get used. Asmodeus, I'm sure, feels like a name that's going to be popular in two years for babies, right? But it's like it's a demon. <laughs> there's, just, there's just levels to this film. Mm. And the fact that it exists in 84 minutes and doesn't really break... The mm. the narrative that it's this eighties wedding cinematographer yeah. like filming weird shit happening in his house. It's just so good. And I mean, even that thing where it's like it feels too complete to be a prequel or to be the third in a series. I agree. I think it's lost. And I'm mm. glad that we're doing something. We're doing our small part yeah. to amplify this film. I think it's worthy of it for sure. Right? Mm. And I think this is proof where it's like, here's the cold hard truth about friendship homework. Yep. Like, this is the truth about why friendship homework's good, right? Like, it, it, it is homework and it's work, which is why it sucks. But generally, the people suggesting it to you are, are people who care about you and know mm. shit you would like and know good stuff. And they're not going to suggest something if it's not good. So almost always, friendship homework pays off. Mm. You just have to do the work. Yeah. And I'm fucking glad I watched this film. Yes, I'm so glad you watched it. I'm so glad you dug it. I'm so glad that you're passionate about it in the same ways that I am, that this is this is like a bit of a lost treasure. Like it is a really cool, weird little movie that I think I don't know, like I guess it couldn't exist outside of this franchise, but if it did I do wonder if it would just be known a bit more that it's really cool or if it, I don't know. I'm just. It's one of those things. I'm just like, ah. If, if there's no way to see into that universe where the guys that made Catfish just made a weird horror movie, and then what was it like? You know. Thank you, Shag, for doing your friendship homework. Thank you, Alexi, for assigning it. My pleasure. If I can assign a bit more friendship homework, um, other podcasts you should be following we speak about from the time. Total Reboots is um, Alexi's uh, podcast that he also co-hosts. Mm -hmm. With his Finding Jesus co-host, Cameron James. You should be listening to that. It's super-duper fun. Um, one of the strong suits of, of late, and, and they're sort of pivoting the flavor of the show, is to pick a theme, and we sort of mm. skate along that theme. And so Millennium Mindfuck Films yeah. is one of the fun little uh, miniseries we yeah, we we got into um, the sort of the Adam and Drew, like Adam Sandler, Drew mm. Barrymore films. We sort of skated through. So you guys will pick like an interesting theme and yeah. and, and sort of buzz buzz along with those. So Alexi, it's always a, a mega mega pleasure to have you in. So so we really appreciate you. Oh, through. my pleasure. I love doing this podcast. So thank you so much, and thank you for saying so many nice things about Finding Jesus. I hope uh, the Spookos leave their comments that they've discovered the series <laughs> on the YouTube channel. Um, but thanks so much, guys. I love doing this podcast. It's great to do it every, almost like once a year, I guess I do it now. Let's do it. It's mm. another Alexi Presents, a Spooko guest appearance. Yes. I love doing it. Thanks so much for having me, dudes. I appreciate it so much. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. 
Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Reshes, what's up? I'm Cameron James. And I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. We're two journalism degree dropouts obsessed with solving mysteries. But there's one mystery that remains unsolved, involving a famous rapper and a cult. What the frick is Ascensionism? To make ourselves immortal. Our future's already been played out. I found the Ascensionism symbol on 4chan. It's one of the scarier places to go online. Children of all ages, check out 4chan. The court can send you to jail. Whoa, you're just pissed off. I'm not even pissed off. We are literally closer than anyone else in the world has ever come. Are you feeling ready? Yeah. Do we have time for a toilet break or...? Welcome to your ascension.